Stand-up comic joke it up one time. Funny. Funny. This is the podcast, Let's Talk About Sets, with Jeff McBride and my lovely, wait, too lovely co-host, Harrison Tweed. Too lovely? Yeah. What's that mean? It means you're, 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 you're too pretty of a man for your own good. Oh, that's sweet of you, bro. <laughs> you're a handsome man, too. I don't, okay, all right. Are we flirting? We uh, yeah, we lot. gotta be careful. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and then our guest today is the even more lovely and very funny Abby Feldman. Hey. Hey, Abby. Thanks for having me. Thanks now for coming I on. you because you're prettier than me. <laughs> oh, I think we're all very pretty. Yeah, this is a pretty podcast. This is a pretty podcast. <laughs> it's really too bad this is audio. <laughs> all right. Oh, they'll find me. I hope not in like real life. <laughs> Gringolandia. Gringolandia. Let's get right into it uh, with a bit that was selected by our guest. Our theme today, though, is love in comedy. The bit that Abby selected is It's Just a Ride by Bill Hicks. Bill Hicks. And it's his deep closer from his 1993 special, Revelations. It's been fantastic, and I hope you enjoyed it. There is a point. Is there a point to all this? Let's find a point. Is there a point to my act? I would say there is. I have to. The world is like a ride at an amusement park. And when you choose to go on it, you think it's real, because that's how powerful our minds are. And the ride goes up and down and round and round. It has thrills and chills, and it's very brightly colored, and it's very loud. And it's fun for a while. Some people have been on the ride for a long time, and they begin to question, is this real, or is this just a ride? And other people have remembered, and they come back to us, and they say, hey, don't worry, don't be afraid, ever, because... This is just a ride. And we kill those people. (laughs) Shut him up. We have a lot invested in this ride. Shut him up. Look at my furrows of worry. Look at my big bank account and my family. This has to be real. It's just a ride. But we always kill those good guys who try and tell us that. You ever notice that? And let the demons run amok? But it doesn't matter because... It's just a ride. And we can change it anytime we want. It's only a choice. No effort, no work, no job, no savings of money. A choice right now between fear and love. The eyes of fear want you to put bigger locks on your door, buy guns, close yourself off. The eyes of love instead see all of us as one. Here's what we can do to change the world right now to a better ride. Take all that money we spend on weapons and defense each year and instead spend it feeding, clothing, and educating the poor of the world, which it would many times over, not one human being excluded, and we can explore space together, both inner and outer, forever in peace. Thank you very much. You've been great. I hope you enjoy it. <laughs> London, you're fantastic. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right. I love it. It's 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 one of the 
It's one of my favorite things I heard him, I've ever heard him say. Uh, but, uh, Abby, why'd you pick the bit? I just love that. It's sound. this clip sounds like he's about to die. It's like, you're on your deathbed mm-hmm. and you're like, what do I have to say to every, like, mm-hmm. you know, I, cause I think, I think that's something that I feel when I'm doing comedy. It's like, what if this is the last time I get on a stage? Like, what do I want to say? What needs Ooh. to be said to these people? And sometimes that can be like too much pressure. And you're like, I really, like a lot of pressure. it's a lot of pressure, but that's why. So, so that I think Bill does something that's like, he does that very literally with the words he's saying. He's like, let's, you know, take the money we're spending on defense, feed and clothe the hungry and poor. Like, so there's just so many things that seem so clear and simple. It's like this could just be changed. And it, and it is true. It is just a ride. And I also do think like, let's make that change. And, or if we don't, also, this is just a ride and we'll yeah. die. So it's like, it takes the pressure off. It's like, let's just make all these changes and do this. But also if that doesn't happen, it's still okay. It doesn't mean don't take it. It's like, let's take action and do these things, which I try to do in my life and I yeah. want everyone to do. But also it doesn't have to be so dramatic and terrible and worrisome all the time. It's like, yeah, these, there are a lot of things that could be better, but also how amazing is life and this ride that we're on and how lucky are we to even get yeah. to ride mm-hmm. it ever. Yeah. And especially as a stand-up, it's like, I can't believe I get to be on stage and talk to you guys like this. Like, that's part of the ride that's so fantastic yeah, and that us, and like, personally. The, the magic of, like, yeah, just having a captive, I mean, when you're lucky to have a captive audience yeah. and just get to really connect. And, you know, he was very lucky in his short life to have these crowds really wanting to see him. So they're really listening, you know, and... um and I think he took advantage of that platform. I think that can, it can seem like a lot of pressure sometimes. And sometimes I just, uh, you know, I want to say a silly joke about, you know, leaving skid marks on the toilet or whatever. Uh-huh. But I still think that the intention behind it is this wanting to help and this wanting to connect to people and give them something real. And that's what, that's what I feel when I hear this clip. I feel that realness. Uh-huh. coming it's almost like a childlike wonder that he's like you know we can help everybody and we can also explore space forever yeah, yeah. I, I think that little space bit always gets me mm-hmm. i'm like he's just like saying all the things he really wants you can yeah. tell he's like mm-hmm. the things that are important to him it's like we can do this and this uh-huh. and we can explore space yeah. together forever it just sounds like the end of like was he Wizard of Oz diagnosed at this point? By the way, I was just wondering. Like, was he? Did he know he had pancreatic cancer? I don't know at this point. Uh, I would guess. I believe so, so because it was what 1993. Yeah, and he died uh, in so I think he he knew. Yeah. yeah. So um, for people who don't know, Bill Hicks smoked um, for a very long time and had a lot very funny bits about smoking, mm. and then was diagnosed with cancer that may or may not have been related to that. Yeah. Uh, and then, um, continued to perform almost until he died Yeah, and he died, he died young. He died in his thirties. Yeah. yeah. I think he was like 32 or 33, which mm-hmm. is crazy. Mm-hmm. Jesus age. We, I, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't, and I always think about him since you brought up the death and the cancer and stuff. I always think, he was so wonderful and gave so much love, but he was very angry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I always, that's what I always thought. I was like, oh, he got an angry cancer, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you know? Cause I feel like we have to want change and we have to be, you know, seeking to make things better. Mm-hmm. But I think the true 
truth is finding peace as things are always. Mm -hmm. And I feel like he, he was, he was that sensitive soul that, that was very upset and angry with the injustices he saw in the world. And, um, you know, couldn't, couldn't be here. I don't think I ever got, I've listened to this bit. I don't know. It's probably over my life 20 times. Mm -hmm. And I don't think I ever caught the part that you were highlighting, which was that, um, and if we can't change these things, it's still just a ride. Mm. I think that slipped by me every time because I was so focused on the things he said that struck me as, well, we made everything you see, every practice we have as human beings is made up. We made it all up. It's all a product of our collective imagination. So why don't we change what our collective imagination is manufacturing? And I don't think I ever heard that second part Mm. in any real way. So thank you for that. Yeah. I think that's, that's a huge part of thing of life that people miss, I think until the end. And I don't know, I'm saying this as if I know that is, I hope it's not the end for me soon, but, um, it, I think coming from just intuition or meditation or just having that perspective on life, it's like it, it all is in its place because we made it that way. Yeah. Everything that is happening everywhere in the world is because people have done something or it just has happened that way. And to be like, this is bad and this isn't right and stuff is almost like a rejection of everything that we are. I think in order to have change in a positive way, we have to be able to look at the reality as it is right now, the good and the bad and the pretty and the ugly and just be like, this is what it is and it's perfect but also let's stop yeah. killing each other. My, uh, my, I have a therapist. His, his name is Dr. Nicely. That is oh. his actual name. That's a sweet last name. <laughs> Great. And, uh, and he has this thing that he, he drew a little diagram for me one time and it's, I love it. And it's, he said, he, he, he sounds, he sounds like this. And he, he drew this diagram. He just, he drew the word, he wrote the word, uh, change. And then he drew an arrow pointing to acceptance. Mm. And he said, people think it works like this. If you just change a few things, then you can get to the point where things are acceptable and they're the way they're supposed to be. Mm. He goes, and then he crosses it out. He goes, this is incorrect. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then he's, he writes it the other way around. He writes acceptance and then an arrow to change. And he says, the way it really works is that you, once you accept everything the way it is and you say it is the way it's supposed to be because it can't be any other way than what it is, once you do that, then and only then can you actually make change because you're not resisting reality anymore. And I went, huh. <laughs> and I think that's kind of what you're saying. Yeah, I think that Bill Hicks just retired from comedy and changed his last name to nicely. (laughs) And he's your therapist. No, he also sounds just like, um, Sheldon from the big bang theory. But I think that, uh, that's exactly right. And that's exactly what Bill Hicks is saying Mm -hmm. in that clip. Mm -hmm. He's saying we, with no effort with like, and that's, that's what I always say about like killing is the effort that it takes, like the effort to have to be violent. Yeah. In a, like, it's one thing to be like angry at a person, you know, in your personal life and like 
have a fight or whatever. Like that's not ideal, but I understand that. But like to organize a whole army and to send them and train them Mm -hmm. and spend the money and make the weapons and do the whole orchestrated thing and go have war and, and destruction is like almost inspiring in the amount of effort it takes against our nature. Mm-hmm. Cause that's, that can't be human nature. Like, I mean, it's definitely not my human nature. Like I might be really angry about things. Like I am about certain issues, but like, I'm not really doing anything about them because it takes a lot of effort to like get out of bed, get dressed, go to the source of the injustice and do something about it. So to have, I always think it's like, if you just accepted that they're different, people are different. There are differences in the world. There's, you know, different ways of life values and religions and all sorts of things, then it would just be easier to not, you know, it's just a mental change. If only people, if only all those people were lazier. (laughs) Yeah. Seriously. I think laziness could, could really change because the work has to be inside. It's like, if I just in my, like I, I could, feel so angry because you are a different religion Mm -hmm. and I think it's wrong what you're doing. And you know, I should go and kill you or torture you until you change to my religion. Or if I'm just like, nah, this is cool. Then I don't have to do that. Mm -hmm. I get to stay and keep eating my apple or whatever I'm doing. Mm -hmm. It's like, I, you know, like why it's, it's, it's hurting you more. Daff, it's hurting or me in this you theoretical uh, hypothetical that I'm coming up with, but like it takes way more work and suffering to go and do the whole thing and you get PTSD and it's a whole crap. It's costs all this money. And it's like, yeah, how much better does it feel? Like I've never killed someone, but I can imagine it feels better to like give a whole family of refugees, like delicious food and clothing mm. than to kill them. I would guess. I mean, my dad's a a veteran and um, to him, what he was doing was for the good of everyone else that mattered to him. That's how he saw it, right or wrong. That was his context. Mm. And if all of this around us is an imagined order and all of it is from money to all of our relationships, every little piece of it we've imagined, I believe. Uh, and when you are born into that and everybody tells you this is the way it is and this is how it works, nations are real, money are, is real, we must, we must be ready for war because we're at risk at all times. You need to be afraid of all these things. I mean, if that's what you're born into and you never encounter another way of looking at things and you don't have... You don't have that moment like clearly Bill Hicks had where he said, I'm going to think through all of this and do that philosophical work and decide, no, this is not a great way to imagine the world to be. If you don't ever come across that and you buy the story that you're given, it makes a lot of sense to you. Totally. And I don't think, I don't think that's a bad thing. You know, if, if this is just a play that we've created, Mm -hmm. people like, People love war movies. Yeah. They mm-hmm. love the stories. And maybe that's just what, if, if that's, you know, and it's kind of a numbers game. If that's what the majority is into, mm-hmm. then that's the life we're going to have. And that's, and that's also okay. You know, mm-hmm. I can participate in that if I want to or not. I mean, some people don't have the luxury to do that maybe, or they don't have the, the, you know, 
it hasn't even occurred to them that mm-hmm. they can change it. And that's fine. I, if I, if I want to participate in the society, I can, if not, I can go to the mountains somewhere in some faraway place and be off the grid and like hunt and gather berries and mm-hmm. whatever. And you know, when the, yeah. when the nuclear war starts, I guess I'll, you know, burn with the rest of everyone. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, man. I, I think but this is one cool. of my favorite parts about, about stand up, and it gets maligned a bit and I don't care. It is that I love the philosophical element of, of stand up. There is a part of stand up that if you are able to wrap ideas in funny, you get to phil- philosophize. I believe that stand ups are, the modern philosophers because they're the ones that people are willing to listen to because of the payoff as opposed to the philosophers in a college who the only people who really hear them are other philosophers and the students who go to that college. (laughs) So it was one of the most attractive things about stand up to me is, is is what we're doing right now, Yeah, but maybe more funny. (laughs) Uh, Holmes and Bill Burr have called it like knucklehead philosophy which like comedy is knucklehead philosophy. It's just like <laughs> you sound like an every man, but you're like putting out these big yeah. theories and, totally. and ideas, but it's also kind of like, yeah, but like, I'm just kind of like a dude that's like a maybe dumb, <laughs> like, yeah. you know, yeah. that's yeah. what I, yeah. I, I, I love that about comedy that it is just like, it's like a, knucklehead. <laughs> yeah, knucklehead. isn't that such a yeah, great, great knucklehead philosophy? I just love that about standup. It's like sometimes, I don't know if you guys feel this when you're doing stand up. Sometimes I'll I'll write a bit that feels like it's 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 much bigger and more grandiose or like a bigger idea than I think I should be saying. <laughs> yeah. Like I'll yeah. write it and be like, technically I wrote like I wrote this and this is coming from my mind, but I should give it to like a intellectual comedian, like yeah. a, like a really yeah. smart, yeah. like yeah. savvy yeah. kind of like someone that like people are going to be like, that guy is probably not going to be nice to me after the show, but he sure should, you know, have a Ted talk oh, like that. Man. If com- anything, Harrison, I think you're more suited to do those things totally. because of the way that you come off. People won't see it coming. That's what people say, but then uh, it's insecurity. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, like, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like, oh no, I'm the dumb guy. Is it? Is it I, I know. I'm, I know it's not real, but it's like the thing yeah, I'm saying ew. this is. Harrison, <laughs> it makes me frustrated because we're talking about love and comedy and comedy as love. Some comedians and I guess some comedy fans say that comedy is about laughs. It's not about a point or a great and it's for just, them. Yeah, yeah frustrated. Well, it's hard to go against that energy sometimes when you're like, I'm just like filled with love and I want to let this love out through this joke or this bit or mm-hmm. whatever or this whole set. And then to hear that and, and, and sometimes that becomes even more vitriolic where it's like, it's like not only should there not be a point, but like no one gives a shit about the, like the point you're kind yeah, of making. I mean that, comp- that vitriol like, that is, is resignation and cynicism. And, yeah. I, and, and I, I think, um, and I understand it and have felt it and, and evinced it so many times in my life, but I think making that choice that, Bill Hicks highlights here mm-hmm. to choose fear or love. Resignation and cynicism is, I think, it's fear that I can't make a difference. Mm-hmm. And that if I try, it's futile and people will look at me as some sort of Don Quixote jousting windmills. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's what that is at the core of it. Yeah. That's where that sort of like, what are you even trying for? Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> I think, and it's really hard when you talk about love, like talk about love or, or like put a theory to love on stage. There's this feeling of, I, I, I've been recently doing, we talked about this a little off mic. I've been doing material about uh, sex addiction and how it affects relationships and how it's like, and just how it's like, it's affected my life. And, um, it's one of those bits where like, I really need you, everyone to be like open to me talking about this. Mm -hmm. So I can't do it everywhere. Like I can't, there are just some rooms where I'm like, I just do not want to put myself out there like this and just expose myself. Cause this is, cause you're in the face of no agreement with what you're doing. Like that's, there's, there's not, it's not like the room is ready for it. Yeah. I have to like preface it sometimes with like, I'll say like something about uh, like I have an addiction to sex and then I'll be like, by the way, this isn't like that kind this isn't like you guys know what I'm talking about. Comedy. This is like that guy's life is different than mine. Yeah. But I think that's just a challenge for you Mm -hmm. to find the way to connect while you're talking about it. Yeah. Instead of like, having a disconnect as if you're like, not that there's a disconnect, but you're looking, you're lying down on the couch while your psychologist takes notes, kind of like disconnect where it's like, there's there are real people watching you and wanting to connect. Like if someone's sitting in a comedy show, they want connection. They want to laugh. And that's hilarious. You can make sex edition funny. I mean, you could be talking about this real issue that you're going through Mm -hmm. just, you know, if, and a lot of people, either have sex addiction or have an addiction or have sex. I mean, there's so many ways to make yeah, it relatable. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Even if they've never had sex, you could be like, you're addicted to not having sex or whatever <laughs> it is. Like there's so many ways to make that connection. You have to make analogy. It's like the analogy I make is that like, it's like a heroin addict. It's like, because the, the which is hilarious. The, yeah. <laughs> super funny. <laughs> um, but that, it's the only addiction that wants it's just a different you, vein. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's part of a tag. That's a tag. Um, it's about how it's the only addiction I know that you're, con, uh, the person consoling you eventually becomes the enabler. Mm. Um, it's like if, yeah, it's like if you're a heroin addict, no one's going to walk down the street, see you begging for money and be like, I want to give him change or like, I don't want to give him change because I know what he's going, what he's going to do with it. But I bet he's so good at doing heroin. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I want to talk about some of the elements of the theme. Cool. One of the things we talked about up front was um, intention as you go into a performance as it relates to love. Yeah. What what were you thinking about that? Before I go on stage and while I'm on stage, regardless of what I'm actually saying, what the words are that I'm saying to these people, I'm instead of coming out of my head with the words where they come out of, I'm coming out from a deeper place in my core, in my heart where I'm, I'm just, my intention is just to give love. And I feel like my, I feel like comedy is a calling. And I feel like, uh, even though I enjoy doing it, you know, as a person, I also like the idea of like letting the universe work through me. And I kind of, before I go on, on stage, I'll just kind of like, have a moment of silence or just like gather myself, my breath and just let myself be a vessel for the energy to come through and just go out there. And, um, I really like being present when I'm on stage. And I think that's, that's kind of like the only way to be 
at all in life. You know, I think the moments that we remember are with moments when we were present because there's times where I'm not present and I'm like, how did I even get home? It's like I took the train and I walked and I don't even remember the journey yeah. of that. Um, and then in, when I'm on stage, I normally remember m- most of how a set goes or how, you know, how the riffs I had and things like that. And I love a riffy set and a crowd worky set. And I think that those are the times when I'm super present. I'm not married to any of the bits that I wanted to work on or, or say, like I'll have a whole list. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll like make my set list on the train ride over to a show. And I usually get there right in time to hear like a little bit of the person before me. And I always like to kind of start like tagging off of something they said just to clarify a couple terms because not yeah. everybody's a comedian who listens yeah. to this uh so when you say when you're talking about having a riffy set yeah what that means is that uh abby's on stage she has the things she's pre-written and worked out but then in the moment as the universe flows through her uh out comes something incredible that relates to the room or something so else. incredible always yeah. <laughs> always incredible <laughs> Your Hitler bit is so that's full of love. I don't. Yeah, I don't even remember what how I it felt that like. Well. You were just like kind of. Yeah, I think I was. You I, said something about like it was something about like him being a great lover. Yeah, Harrison and I did a show together where I don't even really have a Hitler bit. Uh huh. But I like riffed something. I think I was talking about like like Hitler being more fuckable than Trump. Than right? Trump. Yeah, yeah. And like the old Nazis being like classier looking than yeah. than white supremacist. <laughs> They were better dressed. They were, they like, were they had so the posture. well. Yeah, they were really and handsome. The, the quaff. <laughs> really coordinated. And they had the nice mustache. I was like, yeah, at least they I had. I don't think the mustache is nice. I think if he had like a little scruff nice. around it. Yeah, it doesn't look nice, but I was like, it probably. Yeah, but you're applying oh, modern good. standards yeah. of beauty. It was like a strategic so. mustache for, for her pleasure. Yeah, it's a landing strip <laughs> on his face. Yeah. Well, it's like, I think it's, it's, like, it's kind of like a clip massager. Uh, yeah. It's like right Massage there. Massage with bristles? I don't think. Well, you have to keep it in check. (laughs) (laughs) So what about um, connection or laughter as a product or proof of that connection? Yeah, I think that if the crowd's not maybe responding with hysterical laughter, that's okay. I think that I'm more... uh, Another thing I kind of do when I'm on stage is I'm trying to be as truthful and pure as possible and saying what I truly believe and what something I could, I would stand behind. Um, and if the crowd laughs, that's amazing. And then that's proof that like a connection was made Mm. that something I said resonated. And even if they're from a totally different walk of life, totally don't agree on political views or whatever it is. But if I make them laugh, Mm -hmm. then for that moment, we're vibrating on the same frequency. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, uh, sometimes they might not be laughing and I'm saying something, you know, obviously incredible and Hmm. super poignant. Cause it's always incredible. It's always incredible. incredible. It's always incredible. But which is, it's totally, you know, maybe they're just totally engrossed in what I'm saying. They've never heard anything like that. And their minds are just being blown Mm -hmm. to such an extent that laughter escapes them, but it's resonating super hard. And maybe like later they'll laugh or maybe they'll cry or whatever it is. But I think there is, 
I definitely love a laugh. Laughs are great. You want them to be laughing. But if you have to say something and it doesn't necessarily make them laugh, I'd rather go with something truthful and have that reaction than be like, mm. swear words. Ha, ha, ha. You know, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, it's so interesting to hear everybody else, everybody's philosophy as they come on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I obviously have my own, but I definitely have felt mine shift, broaden and encompass other people's philosophies, but through doing this and like, I love what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And I love that bit that we played by Bill Hicks. Mm -hmm. There's only for me really one big laugh in it where he says, and we kill those people. Right. And then the rest of it is, you know, uh, vibing on it on some level or whatever. Yeah. There are people for whom that is such a huge turnoff. Yes. They're like, shut up, tell jokes, be funny. What are you doing, you pretentious dick? There are people who, who look at it like that. I Just don't. so mean to say to a dead guy. It's like. <laughs> uh, yeah, he can't even defend himself at this point. Yeah. So, uh, uh, and he would have vociferously. <laughs> but um, I love hearing you say what you're saying. I also can see the other side of it, which is that. Um, people did come to laugh and if we don't deliver enough on that, we sort of break a contract that we made with them, that they're going to open their minds to what we have to say. And if we don't deliver on the laughs, then, um, I mean, that's another perspective. Sure. But he wouldn't be selling out theaters if, if that were the case. I mean, that's, that's the thing. It's whatever you say it is. Right. It's just like everything in life is. Right. And, you know, I know you like everything to like have a, you know, I think a lot of people like to have like a logic and this happens. And then it's like you can go to a comedy show and there could be all like funny comedians. And then all of a sudden it's someone who's having a really bad day. I mean, Tig Notaro's career exploded because she was just talking about how she had cancer. Mm -hmm. There weren't any jokes. It was just being honest. I mean, it was kind of. A hu- couched in humor, which is also what Bill Hicks is doing. But like, mm-hmm. that's what exploded her career. That's uh-huh. what exploded. I mean, that being how he was, was, was exploded his career. So I think people have always go, gone to laugh, but also just, they just, I, I think laughter is one way, but the real thing they're looking for is to escape mm-hmm. and, and, feel. and, and to make sense of the dark, and hard things that are happening in their right. life. Uh-huh. So it's like, if you can do that via laughter, cool. I mean, when you say, if you look at the comedies, like the tragedies and the comedies, like Shakespearean comedies or Greek comedies, or whatever, you're not LOLing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Just because it's called, I mean, I think that's, I think the laughter part, I mean, I love a comedian who makes me laugh hysterically. Also, I laugh hysterically at bits and people that do bits that are super dark or Mm -hmm. super heavy or just political or whatever it is. And, you know, my parents will just be like, this is not funny. This is traumatizing, you know? Mm -hmm. So everyone has different things and you're not trying to appeal to everyone. And I'm not, I want to be clear. I don't, I never said that it had to be a certain way. Yeah. And I, and it doesn't have to be this logical thing either. I actually really appreciate when my, my perspective is challenged in a way that makes me go, oh, oh, wow. I never thought. Of, and if it's not accompanied by a laugh, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not like, screw you. Yeah. Um, I like it. Uh, I love it. Yeah. But you want some more I, of all it. I was saying is that, is that I've heard 
it's so I was saying that it's interesting to me totally that I hear your perspective, which is yeah. very clear and deeply held. And then I have, and I have other people on here who say the exact opposite. And, and it's, and it's fascinating. It's been fascinating for yeah. me to have my perspective challenged by all the different views on this thing and to show that it can be anything. It can be. And I, and I think anyone who, I mean, it's like, I have the same thing. It's like, maybe I would go see someone and I'm like, I just wanted to laugh tonight. This is not doing it for me. I'll just walk out. Mm-hmm. Or someone's just like doing lots of jokey jokes. Jokey jokes. I mean, rarely do I see someone doing lots of jokey joke. If, if someone's doing lots of jokey jokes and killing it, I'm never going to complain. Mm-hmm. Whether it's deep, whether yeah, it's light, I don't care. Yeah. I love I, I mean, if you're making me laugh, I'm having a great time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that is a safer bet. Uh-huh. If you're a really great joke writer and you are making people, you know, cry laughing, mm-hmm. that's amazing. And you're oh. giving them such a gift and that's such a huge value. And again, that's, that's what I'm saying too. It's like, that's, that in itself is love that you're giving them. You're giving them this release. You're giving them this escape. They're feeling good. They're seeing things in a different way. It's amazing. And, uh, I'd hazard to say that this is, uh, but what the, that when there's a deep philosophy at play, mm-hmm. uh, it's more, it's longer lasting. Um, it sticks with people a really, really good bit can like, I'll, I'll forget jokes 10 minutes after I hear them. Yeah. But if I hear a bit, it may not have been hysterically funny, but it makes me, it makes me go, aha, mm-hmm. I never saw it like that. Oh my God. I'll, that, that sticks with me often for life. Yeah. Uh, and there's I, tremendous value to that. I think I love it. And if you could do that and make someone laugh right. hysterically, ting, it's like <laughs> wonderful. Yeah. Facing and embracing our flaws as humans in a loving way. I think you kind of touched on that a little bit. Yeah. You know, when I sit down to write, I'm just letting inspiration take over. What I think is funny is what I'm going to do. And whenever I'm writing, whenever I'm thinking about, com- whenever just in life in general, it's kind of, the, the common thread is love. And I'm not talking about romantic love. I'm not talking about like mushy stuff. It's just like love in the sense of some sort of selflessness, compassion for other humans who maybe aren't able to see from a certain perspective and just compassion, understanding that like we're all going through something that we've all taken a moment to sit down and watch a comedy show or, you know what I mean? So Sometimes I see comedians being a little angry or being a little defensive or kind of turning on the crowd if the crowd isn't on board and mm-hmm. things like that, where to me, it's, it's so much deeper and broader than, than that. It's like, How do you avoid doing that? It's just not, it's, it's just not the reaction I would have because it's not what's going on. Like not your context. I mean, I, if that were to happen to me, like people, well, I've had people be distracted or talking and things like that. And it's not, I think people take things personally. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's never personal or maybe some, it's only personal if you let it be personal. I mean, if mm-hmm. someone's yelling at you and being like, fuck you, what you said is wrong. I mean, that's cause they're going through something. Right. Your reaction is your reaction. And you're on stage and you have this vehicle, you have this power, this authority. Mm-hmm. And in order to maintain that authority, you have to be the compassionate parental figure, you know, that people aren't going to respect authority unless you give them some reason to respect you. So if I all of a sudden am like, fuck you, get out of here. You're, you're making me, then I've lost all my power right? because I've just put myself on your level. 
And I'm supposed to be for this moment. It's like the difference between power and force. I guess right? so. Yeah. Well, not, it's which not goes even... back to your whole like um, uh, your 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 distaste for violence. It's like yeah. there's almost a violent element to people. Um, Very violent. Being so defensive and taking things personally. And it, and it doesn't need to be. I'm like I'm like you were having a great set, and yeah. you let it get totally derailed by some drunk idiot in the audience. Like, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, I know it's hard sometimes, but you can say something witty or bring it in. I think that goes back to acceptance. It's like, accept the fact that this is happening. Like Mm -hmm. you're working in a room where there's a table that's being loud. Are you going to let that be more important than the message you have to say? Yeah. Or is there a way that that's part of what, like we're being present right now. Like (laughs) that's happening. Mm -hmm. Like if I'm talking about Hitler being more fuckable than Trump and someone's talking really loud, you know, it's just like, maybe this person needs to get fucked by Hitler. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever it is, you know, just like figure out a way to bring it into the moment or be like, yeah. have you ever, have you ever fucked a dude who looks like Hitler? <laughs> I, you know, no, because he ruined the mustache and that's a great mustache and it would have brought pleasure to millions of people. And maybe if you'd had that good eating out by Hitler, you wouldn't be talking during my set or like whatever it is, but like bring it in. And I think it's kind of like, keep your friends close and your enemies closer. Where it's like by doing that, we never you never have enemies. Mm-hmm. It's like if the thing that's annoying you in the Ooh. room, you can wash it with love and like bring it into you. Then like you've eaten it, and now it's part of you. And now the set is bigger and more powerful than when you didn't have that. I always think it's like a gift, <laughs> and it's an it's it's uh, an opportunity to show the audience how awesome of a riffer you are, yeah. and like how unfazed you and then you bought then you bought i often have like hecklers and i feel like they get more on board with the show yeah. because they're like oh she wasn't a dick yeah she didn't say a swear like maybe they, sometimes they're trying to get a reaction see where they if they can push a button it's like there's no buttons to push on me unless you're gonna get physically violent then i'm gonna run off stage and hide because <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> i'm not gonna do that hang, hang on i just want to let you know yeah i felt myself listening to you become so enraptured with what you were saying that I realized I'm going to take notes while I edit this episode. <laughs> uh, yeah, Thank you. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. Well, I think that's the secret to it. And it's like, you know, it's life can be so much easier than people want to let it sometimes. Cause we're kind of addicted to this, the struggle and the challenge. That's what uh-huh. I'm talking about. Like, going off to war or going out and doing that job that you hate, it seems easier than having to think about making a simple, it seems like it's too, it's too good to be Mm. true to make a simple change in your perspective and just let life be simpler and easier. I did, uh, I I did a few courses of landmark. Um, Mm. and, uh, one of my favorite things I got from it was the distinction that when we're making anything wrong, that, we're making ourselves wrong. And the moment you make something wrong and you say, that's bad, that's wrong, that's awful, that's a perspective that you're choosing and you you can't actually affect any change while you're doing it. Because nobody, while you're on stage, for example, while you're riffing, what you're doing is you're making it okay when somebody is heckling or not paying attention. And by making it okay, you actually have the opportunity to connect with that person. But if you make them wrong for what they're doing, they feel you making them wrong. And now you're at odds. Mm -hmm. Now you're fighting. 
And there's nothing worse than being embarrassed because when we are embarrassed, you feel less than, and then you're defensive. And I've seen people turn on pot, like a positive heckle. You know, it's like last night I was at a show and I saw a great comedian doing, having a great set and someone, you know, someone in the audience was agreeing with him and was just like, oh yeah. And it's like, yeah, we know as comedians that this is a one-sided conversation and whatever, but you do need that person on board to make this a good show or it's better if they are. So by being like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm glad you're, you agree, but like, this is, you know, I'm the one talking or whatever it is. It's like, whatever I could see the girl being like, I really liked you. And like, you just kind of yelled at me. Yeah. Yeah. And like, she was very easy to have, like he could have very easily, you know, manipulated the situation in his favor. Mm -hmm. And so I was just also always dude comic, uh, woman uh in the audience it's not always i've seen yeah. women comics turn on audience members before and it in i've seen that happen i've no, the positive heckle yeah retort with like oh, yes like for i it's it's the, also the reason why a lot of male comics are are not uh good at dating yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> she the likes worst. you you just yelled at her yeah it's like, <laughs> we're not in kindergarten anymore like punching her in the face is not a flirt it's so fucking <laughs> yeah definitely <laughs> Hey, if you like this episode and you know someone else who would, please take a moment right now to share it with them. We do our best to make this an entertaining resource for performance tips, comedy theory, and writing techniques. We're learning as we go, too, and we're firm believers that a rising tide lifts all ships. So help us help your friends be funny. If you're listening on the podcast app on your iPhone, just look in the lower right corner. There's three dots. Tap that, then share episode. You can also tap the cartoon image of Harrison and me in the app, and then you'll see the show notes with some sharing links for Twitter and Facebook. And one more thing, check out my website, letstalkaboutsets.com. I've organized the episodes by comedians we discussed and by the themes of the episodes. Letstalkaboutsets.com. Okay, back to the show. I was thinking just last night I had a, I was hosting, and there was a guy right in the front who was on his phone the whole time. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, I was making him wrong yeah. about it. And I was trying to figure out, and I could feel myself doing it. I would try to correct myself and yeah. go, okay, wait, 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 wait. If I come at him, it's distracting and I don't want him to do it during other people's sets. But how do I deal with this? Yeah. And I don't think I dealt with it great, but then I caught myself in the middle of not dealing with it well. And then I started to, I switched it around to be like, look, dude, cause he had to go charge his phone. I was, yeah. look, I was like, look, dude, I had to, I wanted to help you cause your screen brightness was way too high. And I knew you were going to chew through that battery Yeah. and I have an extra battery. I could have gotten it for you. Yeah. Like, in fact, I, we could actually stack batteries cause I don't want you to run, run, run out of battery. Cause I, this is like super important. Yeah. Whatever you're doing, yeah. <laughs> you're doing it right now. And then we, and then we all started laughing at the idea of stacking batteries. Yeah. And like it's a silly whatever, but I knew when I approached him the first time I was totally making him wrong. Right. And I, I, I sat there and thought about it and thought about it, like, how, how could I have done that better? Mm. How could I have approached him in a way that didn't embarrass him and put him on the defensive? I think there's a way to um, make someone doing air quotes wrong, but in a way that you're saying, I still love you. Because mm-hmm. I, I was just thinking of a show I was at recently where a guy was on his phone. He was right to the left of the stage, right in the front row. And I, it was distracting to see him be on his phone, but he was on it under the, like under the table. Like he was trying to be polite to me. 
Mm-hmm. He was like on his phone. I don't remember what I was in, but I was like, this guy's really into what I'm talking about. He's mas- He's so into it. He's like masturbating under the table and he's like just very small strokes, like, or whatever it is, you know? And so he, he, thought, he thought that was like hilarious. And like, he put his phone away and just like got into the show, you know? So I was like, I'm making him wrong, but I'm still just like, I'm making it okay. Uh-huh. I'm like, he loves it. So, you know, I'm like, I'm calling him out for being on his phone, but I'm, but I'm like, Oh, he, lo- I, I can't remember what I was you, talking about, but you, he- you recontextualized it into something else that was playful and silly yeah. as opposed to you're on your phone. You shouldn't be on your phone right now. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm on, on the middle yeah. of the set right now. Yeah. Do you know what it's like to have this career? Yeah. <laughs> Do I go to your job and swipe right. on my phone? Probably. Right. Everyone's on their phone all the time. Yeah. Also like say something important enough to make him get off his phone. Right. I brought him into the show. Yeah. I was like, I see you yeah. and I want you here. Yeah. And I made a thing and it made everyone laugh. And then he's like, oh, everyone's laughing. I want to be a part of this. Oh, I like that where you're like, you're coming at it. Maybe if I, if I shift that context, that context for myself and I go, wait, I want you here as mm-hmm. opposed to you're doing something wrong to me. Yeah. I go instead, I want you here. I want you part of this show. What's it going to take? And if you said it exactly in those words, yeah. I mean, how weird, but you're probably yeah. going to get some, if you're just like, Hey, I want you here. I want you to listen to this set. I want you with me. Yeah. Like in a really romantic, like situation, you know, it's like, why not? Do do I, can I, can I sit in your lap for the next five minutes? Is that, can we do that? (laughs) What does it seem to take for me to get close to you and connect? Right. And maybe that'll be it. Maybe that'll get him. Come on. Let's talk about sex. It's time to talk a little bit about Abby. Oh, love this time. Abby Feldman is a stand-up comedian. She's a writer. She's an actress. She's based out of New York City. She's written and performed over 70 sketches and segments. She was interviewed by Larry King. She was a correspondent on the hit comedy news show Redacted Tonight. She's a writer and co-star on the Netflix comedy series Gringolandia and is currently writing a spin-off starring her Gringolandia character on a quest to get pregnant. She hosts a weekly Facebook live show about all things uncomfortable called Moist where she brings on other comedians and they broadcast from her bathtub. Yeah, baby. <laughs> Abby, welcome to the show. Thank you. It is a privilege to have you on board. Thanks. It's a privilege to be had. Oh. I have a few questions for you. And the first one, I love this question. Have you had a moment in your stand-up career where someone, either a contemporary or someone a little further along than you, gave you some kind of tip or feedback that made all the difference? Mm, That was a long exhale. Um, I think it's honestly, I think it's just seeing, um, seeing comedians off stage that I adore and love and think are hilarious and smart and brilliant and see them be, um, good, normal, humble people off stage. Mm -hmm. Those, those to me are the people, the people that I admire the most are the people that tend to be the best people off stage too. And the hardest working. Um, so their authenticity, their consistent authenticity is interesting to you. Authenticity and commitment to the craft. Um, and Comics you can tell love it. Like they're like, Oh, they love it. They love it. And like, they're doing it regardless. And then the people who are like, you know, I think, I think the, the, the real, like what separates the men from the boys is like, uh, 
people who, who stop being humble when they have a certain amount of success or mm-hmm. things like that, or who, who don't, um, who, who aren't nice or who don't act, you know, in a good way off stage anymore. Like I've seen some people, um, achieve a lot of success and still be amazing and hardworking and humble and love it, you know, um, and wonderful. And then I've seen some people change and be a little bit, I mean, and I think, you know, stuff changes and people have less time and more money or whatever it is. But when people really stay the same, you know, like people, people I really look up to like Dave Attell or, um, you know, Jim Gaffigan, people I've, people I've had like the privilege of opening for or seeing perform multiple times and just always be nice. Remember you or, mm-hmm. you know, have time for you. Um, yeah. Yeah. The, the power or of success or the perception of it hasn't corrupted them and they don't, yeah. and they still treat people the way that they wish that they had been treated when they were, when the coin was on the other, was flipped. Yeah. Right? It's those people usually, usually come like, remember the people like, like if you have this connection with yeah. uh, Jim, when you were, if you had this connection with Jim, when you opened for him and you're yeah. just like, what a sweet guy. Cause I've heard uh, bo- yeah. nothing but good stories about yeah. uh, people with Jim. Um, like I know him. Jim Gaffigan, Jimmy, Jimmy, Jim ski. I, I was, uh, I did a show in Delaware and I was driving down and the headliner like gave me a ride and he's yeah. like, you know, he's like a headliner on the road in these small shows, but he's also, you know, he's not, uh, I he's, he's, he's has like credits, but they're very, you know, sparse and stuff. Yeah. And, um, but he's just like, he's making a living off comedy, just kind of like a road dog. And we were just talking and he was, um, and I brought him up cause I was the host of the show and I brought him up, like you've seen him on crashing mm-hmm. and we were just talking afterwards in the car ride back. And I was like, that's cool. I didn't, I, I love Pete Holmes and I love crashing. So I'm glad you, uh, that's really cool. You were on crashing. And he was like, yeah, Pete is one of the most wonderful men in the world. He came up to me. He, he was like, he was like, I, he didn't have me audition or anything. He just came up to me and was like. Hey, I really want to give you this part. It's a pretty big part in this episode. And I want to give it to you because you were the only person at the Boston Comedy Club that was ever nice to me from start to finish. You didn't, you, when I sucked, you were amazing to me. And you're like, when I got good, you just can, can continue to give me amazing advice. So it's like that, those kind of, rela- those are like it's the real. most meaningful comedy. It's so real. And, and, and it's God, similar. It's full of love. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I do, th- I think that I have like a little bit of a, I mean, I, when you talk to people off stage, you're like having an interaction when you're on stage, it's more one sided, obviously. But I think there's some differences there, but it's just, yeah, be like, it's ultimately this whole journey going back to the Bill Hicks clip is all about us at the end of the day Uh being on a ride and it is just a ride and you get to choose the ride you're on. Mm -hmm. You can, you can be, you know, I just want to be able to get to the end of the ride and be like, that was a fucking amazing ride. Mm -hmm. And I did all the things that I wanted to do. And I was true to myself the whole time. And, and I think that doesn't mean being nice to everyone just because, I mean, some people are dicks and you can say you're a dick and I don't want to work with you. You know, you don't have to just like kiss everyone's ass. But I think that no, you, you should eat butt. Sometimes. Yeah. I mean, people are really into eating butt these days. And it's I fun. just have to, I, I'm going to take this opportunity. <laughs> PSA, like 
that's where you poop from. Just Jesus. FYI. Um, Maybe you do. That's your context. <laughs> I don't do it from there. No, yeah. Well, some yeah. people do have colostomy bags and more power to them. So, um, I, actually, I like to eat the colostomy I'm, bags. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm very techie I and I actually just teleport it out. So yeah, I don't, I don't do any of that stuff. I really like the idea of eating out someone's colostomy bag. But also <laughs> vaginas and peepees. Well, I guess this. Like licking it like a Snickers wrapper. Oh my God. Oh my God. Vaginas and peepees though. That's also that's PP and uh, but pee is sterile and poop isn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Poop can give you all sorts. Poop of things. is has a lot of um, bacteria in it inherently, which is good for digestion on the end of, mm-hmm. it, but you don't want it in the on the front gate. I like my steak and my fish rare. I just it's yeah. You live on the play. edge. Let's live in the edge. Yeah, we talked about it. Is a fish bit. and steak a euphemism? <laughs> no, but it is now. He's like, saying <laughs> he likes fish and steak at uh, yeah, the yeah, beginning yeah. and the end of its journey through the when human body. When I eat ass, I polish <laughs> off everything with a glass of red wine and a fish and a steak. Mm, I just eat mm, I'll have okay, cool. But yeah, I think what we were saying was. Um, <laughs> Yeah, don't suck, don't suck ass. That's, I'm like translating from Spanish. Um, sorry, sorry, I shook the table. Don't suck ass either. You want to be a good comedian, but uh, yeah, just being, a, and and that's for selfish reasons. That what you just said. You're the guy, the headliner getting the getting the role on a TV show because he was nice. It's also yeah, it's just be the way that you. It's. Yeah, it's it's, like it's in our best interest to be nice to people because then they'll be nice to us and won't kill us. It all comes yeah. down to not getting killed. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Let's talk about sex. This next bit is two tracks off of Mark Marin's 2011 album This Has to Be Funny. The first one is called Dating Aggressively. And uh, I'll preface it just by saying um, I've really followed Mark Marin for, you know, quite a bit. I've read, I read his book years and years ago, the Jerusalem syndrome. I've listened to his WTF and I've watched him embrace love slowly, but surely more and more and more throughout his life and fix the problems that he had that he created for himself with all of his relationships because he didn't treat people well. And I've been, uh, you know, really impressed to see him do that. And, um, uh, it also, you know, he's been through a few marriages. I've been through one myself and, uh, listening to him talk about trying to do it, trying to date again afterwards really, really hit me. So let's move into the romance. I've been dating aggressively for the last few years or sexually acting out. It's unclear to me. Is there a difference? Is there really a difference? Look, I don't have any kids. I know people have different agendas when they're dating. I, you know, I feel like I've been honest with women. I have dated. I, I have said things like, look, I'm, I'm bitter. I'm brokenhearted. I'm cynical. I'm hurt. I'm incapable of trust or intimacy. I don't know if I ever will be again. I would just like to fuck for a while. Are you good with that? It's amazing how many women hear that as, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> Please move in with me. He's a fixer-upper. 
because here's my experience. What happens is I meet somebody who has sex as quickly as possible, as often as possible, until you, you get about a, a week into it and you hit that first wall where you're like, I don't even know you. And she's like, I don't know you either. And then you have to trauma bond for an hour or so. You know? <laughs> well, my dad's manic depressive and my mom has an eating disorder. And she's like, oh my God, I have an eating disorder. I'm like, of course you do. <laughs> Can we just keep fucking? And then you, you fuck for a couple more weeks until you have to overcome the first minor obstacle together, and it's usually something ridiculous. Like, how can you not like tortilla chips? <laughs> Everyone fucking likes tortilla chips. That's ridiculous. I mean, were you abused by a Mexican? Because that should have come out during the trauma bonding. I don't think you're being forthright with me. But I'm okay with it. Let's just keep fucking. And then, yeah, after about a month of that, I'm usually like, happy anniversary. And she's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, today it seems like a year. <laughs> <laughs> So, it's been an exciting few years. I dated a stripper for a while, and I'm not a stripper guy. Uh, I don't, it, it was a, a weird thing. I, I don't have anything against strippers or strip clubs, or I just don't, I don't go, you know, primarily because I, I generally believe them. And so I, I met her in a different context. I met her at a party, and uh, she said she was a writer. And I said, well, what do you write about? She said, well, I write about stripping, sex work, and being a dominatrix. And I said, why do you write about that? She said, well, that's what I do. And I just held on to writer. She's <laughs> <laughs> an active sex worker and stripper and dominatrix. And don't get jealous. I mean, she was an age-appropriate stripper, which, you know, is a little sad. Um, <laughs> But I don't really know how I became that guy. Yeah, I mean, you know what a dominatrix's job is. Their dominatrix's job is basically to spank, hit, pee on, or stick things into sad men. This is what she, <laughs> this is what she did for a living. And, and I was a pretty jealous guy when I was younger, and, and I still am if I'm engaged. You know, I was the kind of guy, if a woman I was dating would leave for two hours, and they, she'd come back, and I'd be like, you know, where the fuck were you? Were you fucking around with somebody? What the fuck were you doing? You were fucking around with somebody. And I don't know how I became the guy that, given the same situation, just says, how was work? <laughs> and it's the same question. <laughs> I didn't know if I was evolving or dead inside. <laughs> And I'm not a fetishistic person. I, I like just normal, soul-meshing, slightly disturbing, but you know, deeply moving sex that can lead to complete loss of identity and crying. I, I don't. I, I'm normal, just straight up. I like the kind of. You ever had the kind of sex where that it's so good that in the middle of it you're thinking one of us is going to die? <laughs> that kind of sex. I don't need props and toys. I, I, for me, you know, there's just a very fine line between a dominatrix and a clown. I, I don't. It really depends on the. <laughs> but we got we were getting too attached and I knew it was only a matter of time before like I said, all right, just give me the treatment, do the thing you do with the clients, let's let's do it, I'm ready to try it. I don't want anything in me, but you can tie me up. <laughs> and I know what would happen. I'd be tied up and I'd be like, I'm not good with this, I'm not comfortable, this isn't fun. I, I, I knew I wouldn't get off on this. Please untie me, and she'd just be sitting there, smiling, looking at me, holding a ball gag, saying the safe way word is, marry me. It's <laughs> 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 fucking great. It's funny because it's fun to li listen to anyone's bits and totally just like psychoanalyze them. Mm -hmm. Because first of all, I think it's funny that men have this fear of women like wanting to trap them. He's like, oh, yeah, now she wants to marry me. I'm like, dude, you're like 
a short, dorky, weird, like who's assuming that everyone wants to marry you? (laughs) You know, like that seems like a, like there's a weird fear there of like, Oh, someone wants, someone wants to choose you to spend the rest of their life with you. (laughs) And that's, that's scary to you. That means that you're Uh, frightened of being with you for the rest of your life. uh, I love it. No, 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 no. Great. <laughs> That's your new job, by the way. Harrison. Can't it's afford that. that sound. Yeah. No, 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 no. Yo. But when he's saying, he said right at the beginning, he was like, um, somehow he says, you know, I just ask them if they want to fuck for a little bit, and they take that to mean, I love you. I love you. I, I love you. Please move in with me. I'm like, that's what I want to fuck you means. Like. I, like that's more intimate to like the guy that guys think there's that like, because there's thing is more physical. Like, yeah, we, there's a disconnect because I do think that the, that men have this, um, biological drive to fuck. Yeah. Um, because you need to do it more often, more often to spread your seed more widely in women when they have sex, when we have sex, I'll include myself in huh? the woman body of the <laughs> population um accepted i'll accept it i'll accept it um i love it i think it's you know we we have to be more discerning because uh if we are to get pregnant with with one seed then that's going to be a nine month ordeal and then an 18 year you know journey that we're going to be on so at least or whatever Mm -hmm. um so we have to be more discerning and and be more um choosy but you know someone saying i want to fuck you is like i want to be inside of your body is very intimate. It's like, Oh no, I don't, I have commitment issues when it comes to that. Like, I don't know where your body has been and your energy could be really weird. I don't want that inside of me unless Mm -hmm. I'm really into someone. Mm -hmm. So if I'm willing to have sex with you, I'm probably willing to to say, I love you and move in with me Mm -hmm. because you would have to be that amazing for me to have sex with you. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so it's just a really big compliment. And if some, you know, if someone is, if he's like saying, I just want to have sex with you as it's like a little thing for a man, it's a big thing. It's like, I want you to create my offspring potentially. I mean, that's what, that's what the drive is coming from. So it's like evolutionarily speaking. Yeah. I've yeah. yeah. I mean, I think we live in a different context now. Yeah. But like, but like if his is coming from this animal, if he's like claiming it's this animalistic kind of urge to just Mm -hmm. be fucking, um, it's like, yeah, I would love to put my seed in you and have you raise a child. And what you just said is exactly what, what I was talking about before when I was like, when I do this material, that's about sex Mm -hmm. addiction. I can, the the guys, I, I, there's, it's the only, it's never met with empathy from men. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, I've probably divulged it less to women, I guess, mm. cause it feels embarrassing and it's like, kind of like, it feels gross. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've noticed that like, like guys who don't have that much sex yeah. don't hear that as a problem, right. but you know why, yes. like from what you just said, you could probably tell why it's a problem. For yes. Me. It's like, I'm trying to feel love yes. through something yeah. that I'll never feel, you know, feel love through. Right. But I'm like, I'm, and it's like, it's like doing the same equation over and over again. And it's just, the answer's wrong every single right. time. I keep writing it the same way. Right. It's like the Einstein. And that's, what's so frustrating about these guys not accepting that material. It's like, it's like, no, don't you see that like, like you, like 
the, I don't know. It's just like, it isn't all it just because it's, it feels good in small doses or feels good in like not small yeah, doses, but, like, but no. like, well, yeah, like, well, it feels good while you're doing it, but so does like, you know, heroin. And well, so, okay. and so does a lot of stuff. So, but, so hold, hold on a second. I mean, just in general, um, to my mind, addiction is all about why you're doing what you're doing, not what you're doing. Um, addiction is in, in my, and I have a rather extensive experience with it, both yeah. in family and my marriage and all that stuff. Addiction is, is, and, and I don't, I'm not saying I'm, I'm the expert, but my experience, my life experience has been that, um, you're typically doing it to escape yourself, your problems, your thoughts, and so on and so forth. And you're using that as a coping mechanism to avoid dealing. Um, and, and so anything in that sense can be addiction, whether it's McDonald's or video games or sex or heroin in that regard and, and, and whatever it is, everybody has their thing. And so I'm not, I I don't think that when people hear that they're just plugging it into their context of, well, sex isn't like that for me. Yeah. And they're not looking at it as, well, sex is like that for you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what we were just saying is it is good in small doses, just like anything that could be potentially harmful or not small doses, but like in moderation. Um, but yeah, I think that, um, in Mark talks about this, like how you end up both just kind of like losing yourself and crying at the end is like what he says could be like a, a positive outcome of having sex which is, yeah, it's a release and it's connection for a minute Mm -hmm. and whatever it is. But if there isn't, you know, if, if one or more of the parties involved is broken as he claims to be, you know, and not able to love himself, then, uh, it's going to be an empty, it's going to be in vain because you're going to have that connection or that seeming connection. And then the void is going to come back even deeper. And if you make a bad mm. choice when you're having sex, um, it's going to be even worse. Cause you're going to say, "Ugh, now this person is annoying and I don't even want to be with this person, but I'm addicted to the few moments I get to have sex with this person. And then I'm hating myself even more. And it just is a darker thing. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I think when I hear him having this, this, these bits about like, Oh, it feels like a year, you know, it's like, and, and people are laughing cause they can relate to that. But to me, it's like, God, that's so sad. Yeah, like leave really that situation just, just to like get your dick wet. You're willing to suffer that much, mm-hmm. like masturbate or well, like do okay, whatever. But I, I got to like challenge that for a second, just because like ultimately he's, he's showing his flaw and trying to connect with people over the, the foibles that he experiences as a human being. And clearly he sees it as maybe I should do something about this. I think that comes through in, in his, I'm not, I'm not saying don't do a bit. I'm just, I'm giving him my, I'm just saying what I think about him. Therapeutically. Yeah. 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 And, and yet, and yet I I don't think he needs defending. I mean, he's doing great. (laughs) Well, I, I guess why I chose this bit, why I like this bit in response to love is that clearly he's in this, in this material anyway, or the persona he's, he's portraying, he is um, showing himself to be incapable of expressing love because he clearly is so full of, of self-loathing mm. um, and working through that. And then also 
despairing at how he can't quite get the limited connection that he wants without it being a much larger connection Mm -hmm. than what he thinks he's capable of. And I think there's something like beautifully sad and funny about that, that contradiction of please love me. I can't love me. Mm -hmm. Um, But now you love me and you're a fool for loving me because I'm not lovable. (laughs) It's so funny. It comes back to that. What I said right after hearing it, it's like, you know, you, when, when someone, when the, the, prospect of someone wanting to love you and spend the rest of their lives with you is so repulsive to you. (laughs) You know, that's, that's like a big red flag for yourself. What, why do I have so little respect for someone who values me? Uh huh. Right, right, right. And, and that's part of, to me, what is so great about comedy and stand up. What I love so much about it is that one of my favorite phrases is, um, that drama shows us what we could be and comedy helps us live with what we are. Mm, I like that. And this is sort of one of those moments where he's like, look, I'm jealous. Look, I'm in, I'm broken. Look, here's this. And here are my sad attempts to still connect when I'm clearly incapable of doing it. Yeah. Um, and then, (laughs) finding himself with a dominatrix <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's so funny that it, that's it well that's so funny that it's like because he starts with like i say all my problems and they're like that they go against everything that a relationship should be built upon mm-hmm. yeah and these women want to marry me because of it and then he's like and then i just dated someone that just described like almost like almost like a caricature of all the things people don't look for in a date. Right. Like they have sex with people for money, show their tits to people with money. Well, she and pisses on people. Well, she, yeah. she, he feels more comfortable with someone who, who it's you know, emasculates him or tortures him or whatever it is mm-hmm. that you would have. And, uh, and so many powerful men go to dominatrix mm-hmm. is dominatrix. Yeah. Well, maybe that's how you can get to the acceptance part of it. Or it's like mm-hmm. if someone treats you the way you think you deserve to be treated, maybe you, that there's a way that you can accept those dark parts of yourself. Mm-hmm. If you're like, oh, this person uh, sees me covered in piss and steps on me <laughs> and is still willing Sorry. to interact with me, Funny. you know, and is still giving me the time of day. So maybe, you know, that in some ways like cleansing my flaws and is allowing me to have worth or something. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I've been in situations, I've been in situations where, uh, relationships where like, um, uh, my partner very much wants to have the crap kicked out of them, um, in a safe way. Uh, but like, and they just (laughs) love it. And like, I get to the point where they're, they're crying with release and joy at having that happen. And while I don't get off on that personally, um, I don't, I'm the moment I, I can be sitting there and spanking an ass. And then, and then the moment they, they spank my, Oh, Hey, wait, why are you doing that? I don't like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, but I, but I accept that that's what, for whatever reason turns them on. Yeah. yeah. I don't think it always, I don't think it always is. Um, uh, I feel like I'm a piece of shit and this is validating that or accepting oh, that. I think for some people it's just, this feels wrong and therefore hot. It can can be that too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) And and the last line to me on this was really fascinating: the 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 dominatrix and a clown. I don't. I I don't quite get 
what he's saying there. It's funny to me. For but amusement. Per, yeah, but yeah, you're right. Yeah, I, I I it's like dressing end. up and it's, a, it's an act and mm-hmm. it's a thing. Yeah. You got to wear some like red ball. Yeah, there's a gag. There's a My dominatrix ball. is being chased around by a bull. It's very strange. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be funny. It's like a small car with like six <laughs> jumps. <laughs> I, I think a lot of, yeah. Can I squeeze your horn nose? <laughs> okay, now step on my balls. <laughs> yeah, now step on my Come on. Let's talk about sex. Let's play a bit by Bo Burnham. This is a clip that Harrison selected. It's called From God's Perspective, and it's from Bo Burnham's 2013 special titled What? Uh, I chose this bit because I think uh, I, I, I really love Bo Burnham, and I'm not. And I'm kind of I'm guilty of being one of those comics that's like, oh, fuck musical comedy. It's just like they have their own built-in rhythm. They don't have mm-hmm. to be funny mm-hmm. in like a, like a natural organic way they just know these like chords and they can just like punch in these lines um but what i love about bo burnham is and bo burnham had every opportunity to just like lose uh just do comedy for the audience uh age range that he got which Mm -hmm. is like people that watched his viral videos and they're like 13 at the time and now they're like in college or out of college so he had every opportunity to not do something that was soulful and he just refuses and all of his work is just like so authentic to him mm-hmm. um and i just love this song and it i think it's it's one of the best religious bits you could call it i've heard it in a very long time and it's in the form of a song and it's very beautiful great all right let's play it there's things that i don't want to come across in my show that I worry often come across about me because people don't realize that it's an act up here. I don't want you to ever think that I think I'm better than people or that I think I know better than people. Um, anyway, sorry. Okay. Uh, this is a song from the perspective of God. <laughs> the books you think I wrote are way too thick. A thousand metaphors to figure out you shouldn't be a dick. And I don't watch you when you sleep. <laughs> Surprisingly, I don't use my omnipotence to be a fucking creep. You're not going to heaven. Why the fuck would you think I'd ever kick it with you? None of you are going to heaven. There's a trillion aliens cooler than you shouldn't abstain from rape just because you think that I want you to. Shouldn't rape because rape is a fucked up thing to do. <laughs> Pretty obvious, just don't fucking rape people. <laughs> do you to write that one down for you? <laughs> I don't think masturbation is obscene. It's absolutely natural and the weirdest fucking thing I've ever seen. You make my job a living hell. <laughs> Overpopulation. Boy, did that go well. You're not going to heaven. Eat a thousand crack 
Hackers <laughs> and me and him. None of you are going to heaven. You're not my children. You're a bad game of Sims. <laughs> you shouldn't abstain from pork just because you think that I want you to. You can eat pork, because why the fuck would I give a shit? <laughs> I created the universe. Think I'm drawing the line at the fucking deli aisle? <laughs> you argue and you bicker and you fight. Atheists and Catholics, Jews and Hindus argue day and night. Over what they think is true But no one entertains the thought that Maybe God does not believe in you You pray so badly for heaven Knowing any day might be the day that you die But maybe life on earth could be heaven <laughs> Doesn't just the thought of it make it worth a try type of thing that you have to earn and when you earn it you won't need it home oh, I love the type of thing that you have to earn and when you earn it you won't need it I'm not gonna give you love just cuz I know that you want me to love, then the love has got to come from you. For some reason, uh, I'm moist. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Oh. That is, um, yeah, I would, I wish I could have written that song yeah it's that good yeah it's really good. like it's so beautiful and brilliant that's exactly how i feel yeah. i got i got i got i got chills during that you're oh my you, gosh. Have, you have tears in your eyes yeah uh, my, yeah i'm yeah what? that was amazing i feel like that's you know that's what comedy is for and that's what art is for and how beautiful and how amazingly done and executed and uh yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. Yeah, I wish I had wrote, written that. Mm-hmm. Um, I wow. totally believe everything. You know, that's ex- his his beliefs are very aligned with mine and um I've never heard that song, so It's really great. Yeah, it's all right. It's very <laughs> good. But so good. it is so good and it's just uh that the line he said, I was just thinking about this yesterday about the idea of heaven and hell and how that is what this life on earth is. Mm-hmm. It's um it can be heaven if you want it to be, and it can be hell if you want it to be. And um, I'm not sure how I feel about reincarnation, but I think that um, if I kind of believe that we're all different incarnations of one soul, and if if you don't think of time as linear, or or there's different measurements of time, like we function on a linear path, but if this is all just like, you know, Harrison is one iteration and Jeff is another and Abby's another and everyone is kind of in different, you know, spinning different little planets. Um, 
yeah, life can be heaven right now. And, uh, I think for people that it's hell right now, maybe, uh, maybe it's coming from something from a past life or something in this current life that they haven't worked through or whatever. But, um, yeah, if, if you have the loving God and God's love, um, as being something that's inside of you and that you can tap into whenever you want to. And I think a lot of people are scared of this word God. Um, I think it's a trigger word for a lot of people because it's been, um, used by, you know, religions and governments to mean something. And I don't necessarily think it's wrong the way that it was used by those people, but I think it has been exploited and abused in a lot of ways. But sometimes it's coming back to that acceptance thing. It's if, if we accepted that there's that God connects all of us and that God is this all encompassing love vibration, you know, the universe, the one verse, um, that we're all, you know, one note that we're all vibrating and, and participating in, you know, like Ohm as the vibration that is the universe, um, or whatever you believe in, it all kind of boils down to being the same thing. And it's sometimes hard to articulate. Um, so I think that he did a really, I'm like really <laughs> choked up. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so for you, um, what this encompasses, make sure I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Um, for you, this encompasses the, I don't know, the fact that we're all made up of the same kinds of particles, the same kind of energy, the same kind of stuff. And we're all different expressions of that. And that people like to not think about it like that. Yeah. I think it's all about perspective because, um, like what Bill says, you know, we can explore space together, both yeah. inner and outer forever. I think it's interesting that man as you know, the general human man, masculine idea of like, let's explore space is like, let's create a rocket ship. Let's put all this manpower and energy uh -huh. into science, into this and send a rocket and, and people to the moon or to another planet because it's so exciting because when you're out there, you look back and you see a little ball, a little mm -hmm. one little planet, a little blue dot that is the earth. And we're, when you're that far out, we're all, we all have that in common. We're all on this little dot. We all share that. We're all, you know, when, when we're on earth and I go somewhere else, I say I'm from New York. If I go somewhere out of the country, I say I'm from the U S if you go to another planet, you say you're from earth, you know? Mm. I mean, that's what I do when I'm space traveling. Um, <laughs> so then all these differences that we have unite us, you know, it's like you might be a Republican or a Democrat or whatever, but if I see another American in China, I'll be like, Oh cool. You're from the States. Me too. Cool. You might hate the person cause they might suck, but, um, you know, we have this in common and we, and we're unified by that. And I think, we forget that we're all on this one tiny little rock mm -hmm. and it's so small. And I, and when I'm meditating, the best like, spaceship we've ever found, such a great spaceship, <laughs> yeah, space station pretty sick. or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> it's flying around through space. It's, <laughs> it's just, yeah. Um, so I, you know, when I'm meditating or when I'm really feeling that presence and that connection inside of myself. It's like the same on the inside as it is on the outside and the inside. It's this tiny little thing. And on the outside, it's this enormous thing that can also be a tiny thing. I just see life as like this constantly expanding and contracting, unfolding and folding thing. And, uh, it's all lovely. 
Well, let's talk a little bit about the bit. Yeah. <laughs> the books are way too thick that you yeah. think I wrote. <laughs> yeah. I, lo- I love that. Who needs yeah. a thousand metaphors to tell you you shouldn't be a dick? Totally. <laughs> so good. Uh, I like that he starts kind of, um, it's comedic and it also has heart at first, but then he's just like, he's like, let me just, it's, it's all soulful, like the, throughout the whole thing. But at first it's like playfully soulful. Like he would be such a good lover because he's <laughs> yeah. like able to craft that, like driving, like, well, I'm going to start off with like a little this, yeah. get you on board mm-hmm. and then like make yeah. some more silly jokes and we're having fun. Da, 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 and then it's like. Deeper, deeper, deeper. Yeah. But yeah, the one time that I was, I mean, I was on board with everything, but when I thought he was going to be like, uh, I let this thing brought up two things for me when he said like, you shouldn't eat pork or like, you know, why would I say you shouldn't eat pork? Why would I give a shit? Well, he said, well, I, I thought he was gonna be like, cause what he did with the other thing with raping, he's like, you shouldn't rape because it's a fucked up thing to do. He's yeah. like, you shouldn't not rape because I don't t- I tell you not to, you shouldn't rape because it's a fucked up thing to do. I thought he was gonna be like, you shouldn't, uh, don't not eat pork. Cause I say not to don't eat pork because like they're living creatures and we shouldn't kill them or whatever. I yeah. th- or I don't know what he, I thought, I thought he might go into that. Angle I thought he too. might go that angle, but like, what he went to with like, I, mil- I made created the universe. universe. You think I Why would I give a fuck? Yeah. <laughs> I think he's also saying like, also, pork specific to other beefs. Like if you're eating everything else, why would I just give a shit right, about pigs? Totally. Yeah. And I do also believe that it's yeah the, it, within the universe, it's all created by God. Mm-hmm. The, the, I'm air quoting good and bad. Like that's, that's all a human construct of what is good and what is bad because things that are good, you know, they'll be like no fat in the nineties and now full fat. Mm-hmm. Everyone's on keto diet. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like yeah. what you believe is wrong becomes what's right. And what you believe is right becomes what's wrong. And so that just is proof that, that that's all subjective and, yeah. and human. Even the even the concept of God itself. I mean, historically speaking, one civilization to another, one era to another, whether it's polytheistic gods or the idea of dualism, like Zoroastrianism, like it has we have had so many different beliefs in some sort of superhuman order that dictates how we should behave and what we should think. Um I mean, it's that has 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 been a through line and had endless variations on that theme for so long. I mean, it's just like, uh, which one do you choose? Are what about the Greeks? They're pretty sure. Mm -hmm. I mean, what about what? What about I don't know. What about the Buddhists? What about pre pre Buddhism? Like all these things. But that I think that's a very interesting thing, because whenever there's a critique of religion, it's the people practicing it. So it's like, what about the Greeks? What about the Jews? What about the Muslims? What about the Hindus? We can have a million criticisms of the people practicing these religions because they're people yeah. and they're human and they're going to fuck up. Yeah. But the core of the principles of any of these, any one of those religions would be a beautiful thing for the most. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't Depending. know all of them. I mean, you're, you're, you have to cherry pick. Um, because but like, do you? yeah, sure. I mean, uh, which, what parts I feel like are you it's gonna... all taking us to the same place? I, I would agree and disagree because I, <laughs> I, 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 would, I would agree in the sense that, um, a lot of it is don't be a dick, right? A lot of it is a lot of, and then there's all these, there are all these extra trappings that become canon. And then you have to cherry pick among the canon to say, which parts of these are the ones that are about don't be a dick and which parts of these have been added on to that. Mm-hmm. 
and, and it, I'm not talking about rules and regulations. I guess I'm talking about like the principle. The well, just like what he just said, what mm-hmm. Bo Burnham's saying. It's like, you know, I created the universe mm-hmm. and it's all, I made everything in it. So whatever is happening within the universe, which is every single thing, mm-hmm. is holy. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yes, although even that is a product of, of, of monotheism. I mean, before that, you had like, uh, before that, there was the idea of just order and chaos as two opposing forces. And that was what people believed or believed. Or there was animism where people very strongly believed in the power of rivers and, and trees and I so on. I believe in that. Well, I, I'm just saying like, this has shown up but in all, so many different ways. But that's all boiling down to like the holiness of everything. Well, yet, I mean, you are, you do continually reunify it into one thing. And there were lots and lots of civilizations that but today that didn't, didn't, that weren't buying into but that. whatever, whatever anyone is practicing today, whatever mm-hmm. anyone believes in today is, is the present product of everything that's come before. And it's the point, the yeah. stepping off point for everything that will come after if we believe in befores and afters and not that everything is has already occurred and will always occur forever in eternity. Uh, it's still all that one creation. So anyone who's practicing, so it's basically, it's just this idea that it's all good, (laughs) which is kind of a, which can sound like a cop out. It doesn't mean don't take action to make the world the way you want it to, but Mm -hmm. just know that you don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of, because, but we, that, but that can be very paralyzing to be like, I don't know if, is helping the homeless the right thing to do? Is that how I should spend my time or should I spend my time? Today is uh, national pet obesity awareness day. I found out. Mm-hmm. So it's like, should I, is that the cause that I should, you know, fight for? It really doesn't matter. Should I work on wall street? Should I, you mm-hmm. know, do a stupid podcast in the middle of the day for a million hours? Like <laughs> stupid, what? stupid. you know what I mean? It's like, wh- wh- how should you best be spending your time? Ultimately it's all fine. Yeah. You're going to die. It's transitory. If I don't get it right this time, I'll get it right in the next life. If that doesn't exist, I'm over. Yeah, so whatever you're over it. Is there anything else on this wonderful, awesome, fantastic pick that we should talk about? I'll just plug that that whole special is great. Yeah, I'm going to listen to that now. I hate that you have converted me to Bo Burnham. <laughs> <laughs> Bo Burnham, <laughs> Nick Swartzen, yeah, and yeah. someone else. I'm, uh, I'm super into it. Yeah. Um, I'm into it. <laughs> into it. <laughs> anyway. I'm Eskimo. Oh, yeah. If oh. that's offensive, go back 50 years and it's not anymore. Maybe the last quote on this thing that I, I, I wanted to highlight is, if you earn my love, you won't need it. Yeah. I think that's a very rich statement. Gorgeous. And if you want love, then the love has got to come from you. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, so, so, so now we have simultaneously cured Harrison's sex addiction. <laughs> and uh, yeah. we have the formula for loving yourself and the world and God. So now I know I have to love has to come for me. So I just got to masturbate into my own body. Yeah. Masturbate and drink it. Big thanks to our guest, Abby Feldman. Yay, Thank you Abby. so much. Abby. You're welcome. Let's work together to plug the things that yeah. matter. Cool. Uh, so um, on Mondays at 11, you can see her Facebook live show moist. Moist every Monday at 11, facebook.com slash Abby Feldman live. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. 
Go yeah. check it out. Check it. A out. link will be in the show notes, of course. Yeah. Also, she has her live show at the Creek in the Cave in Long Island City every first Thursday at 10 p.m. It is free. And the the live show is, how does that go? It's stand-up comics, and I am on the stage the entire time in a bathtub. And in between the comedian sets, I give uh, advice based on issues the audience is going through. Oh, cool. That's wonderful. Very fun. I, I, I want to. Now yeah. I yes. really want to yeah. go. And, uh, and I'm not just saying that because I'm on a podcast and <laughs> I should be nice. Like, no. I actually, now I want to see you it. You got to go. You got to go. Moist on the Facebook Live show is also that I'm helping people be comfortable with the things that make them uncomfortable. Oh, my God. I love it. Yeah. And, and that is so about. what comedy about is about is you make things okay. Yes. And when you do that right and you make some sort of violation or something okay, people laugh with release and yeah. joy. And um, you're kind I'm of a, a badass, oh. Abby. All right. Um, I'm a prostitute of laughter. <laughs> I want to give them that release. Prostitute. Yeah. I proselytize laughter. Yeah. Uh, also she has her comedy at Rockwood music hall every second Saturday co-hosted with a former guest on this podcast, Camille Theobald. Very true. And that show comedy at Rockwood is also part of the New York comedy festival this year. Bam! So be there on November 11th at 11 PM. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Get your tickets at rockwoodmusichall.com. Yes. I know I will. Yeah. And then of course, Ovulady. Ovulady. Her new narrative <laughs> so series she's producing, which is a spin-off from her Netflix mockumentary you should also check out. The series Gringolandia. She writes for it and acts in it. Yes. And if you want to follow the loving, lovely, and funny Abby Feldman, she is at Abby Feldman on Instagram and Twitter, and she's also at Abby Feldman Live on Facebook. Yeah, baby. Mm-hmm. Get at it. If you want to check out more about our guests, please head over to the show notes. You can see everything and a whole bunch more on our website, letstalkaboutsets.com. Check out those show notes. We also have all of our episodes organized by theme and by the comedians we discuss. You can get our episodes automatically every other week by subscribing to the podcast. Do it now on Apple Podcasts. Do it now. Do it now. Kill me. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> it's special. What are you waiting for? <laughs> I'm going to finish out this podcast. <laughs> all right. That was really bad. Uh, special thanks to Bill Hicks's ghost, Mark Maris, <laughs> Mark Maron's neuroses, and Bo Burnham's young tear-jerking genius. <laughs> and as always... Please, salt and pepper, one day I'll thank you in person for all the not suing that you do. Tear jerking is what I call it when I cry after that. Tear jerking. Sets. Let's talk about sets. Let's talk about sets. Sets.